Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week, we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week, we watched Whiplash, directed by Damien Chazelle and released in 2014. The plot goes something like this. A drum student at a prestigious conservatorium is talent spotted by a well-regarded but asshole music teacher. Yes, that... Yeah, I, I sort of... Uh, when I started out watching this movie, I sort of thought it was going to go one way, and then I realised, I think about halfway, half an hour into it, that they'd gone way too far to make it that storyline, mm-hmm. which is the, like, you know, he, he helps him. He's a jerk, but he helps him. That's where I thought it was going to go as well. Yeah. Um, but, but I think, yeah, it was about halfway, half an hour in when mm. he starts actually hitting him that I'm like, yeah, they're probably not going to do that. They're not going to have this in a modern movie and tell that story. That's mm. just not going to happen. Um, so I just started trying to figure out what was going to happen. Um, a lot of people that I know and have talked to really love this movie. Like, really love it a lot. Thought it was mm. terrific. I thought it was okay. Yeah. I don't think that I connected with it on a personal level in the same way a lot of people did. Yeah. I I liked a lot of things about it. Um, but I just I felt like there wasn't a strong enough journey, either for our lead character or for the music teacher antagonist. Mm. They're just, like, he's the same person, essentially, at the end as he was at the beginning. He d- really doesn't learn anything through catharsis. Like he's still the over-anxious guy who's trying too hard. And that's how it ends. Like I was just like, well, I don't, I don't know that he's gone anywhere. Oh, no. I, I, I think that he did. I think that he um, – I think what he, he, he needed – well, okay. The way that I view this movie is it's a power struggle. Hmm. And J.K. Simmons – I don't know these characters' names at all. So J.K. Simmons is like um, – he gets off on the power plays all the time. He says he's trying to help people. He's not. He really gets off on that, right? He gets off on telling people what to do, mm-hmm. on coming in at exactly the right moment and everybody goes silent and they will watch him. You know, he's he loves that. He clearly mm. Yeah, that's it. his thing, yeah. So the whole movie is basically one long series of power plays and he keeps dominating um, Miles Teller. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the movie, what happens essentially is – Miles Teller stands his ground against and wins the power play, right? And, yeah, against this barrage of stuff, and and he's just going to stand his ground no matter what happens. And then J.K. Simmons comes around to brud- begrudging respect of him, and to realize that you know he's not going to win this one, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. he has a choice: he can either try and stop him, or storm off, or help mm-hmm. and make himself look like a good guy. Yeah, so he helps. I it, yeah. D- and then Miles Teller wins the power play. So the ultimate, ultimately, it is he does change because he kind of, and he does that without, he he manages to do that without sinking to Simmons's level. Right, right. So he does that using his own talent and his own skill. He he wins the power play. So like I think what what it is is he takes he he gets his power taken away by the abusive teacher, and then he gets it back at the end of the film. Yeah, I, I I didn't find the journey particularly strong. I didn't get a sense of him because he he does behave like an asshole himself. He starts oh, yeah. to go down the path of behaving like that teacher. But you can and see then, him start to change towards yeah. the end of the movie. He he talks to the girlfriend, and then when he finds out she has a boyfriend, he's not a dick about it. Mm. You know, yeah. little things. It, it is. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's realistic. He hugs his Paul Riser dad. Yeah, who was like perfect from start to finish. Like he was not. No, he wasn't. He was um because there's that dinner scene. Mm. Oh, God. Oh, my God. And yes. the dinner scene is where all the people in the family are just like, oh, these football player cousins are so great. And Paul Reiser does not stand up for Miles Teller at all. And then mm. Miles Teller kind of 
being Miles Teller is like, I'm so much better than you guys. Yeah. And You're then Paul Reiser. Div three. Yeah. And then Paul Reiser tears him down. Yeah, yeah. No, there, I didn't mean that in the sense of perfect. I meant in this, I actually um, was being a little bit sarcastic there. I, it, in the oh. sense of like ironic, uh, in the sense of like perfect sainted single dad. Oh, no, I didn't feel like that was what they were doing with him at all. Oh, I got that. Yeah, I just got a bit of because a sense Because they, they do that right from, and, and even the first date that um, Miles Teller and Melissa Benoist go on, he says, um, uh, he, he tells her about the story about his dad not supporting him and not, mm. and, and tearing him down. And then she tells him the story about the Jay Leno chin thing. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just thought that, oh, yeah, I got a real sort of, um, sainted single dad, this awful woman who abandoned her child storyline going on there. I'd, maybe I'm reading too much. I don't feel much. like, oh, well, the thing is, I don't feel like the movie's saying that. A lot of it is that J.K. Simmons picks on Miles Teller for that. For the fact that his mother left? No, it's not J.K. Simmons. It's um, Fletcher. It's it's the the way they have the dad who's always there, is always supporting. He's all he's like. I I don't feel like that was the story that the movie was trying to tell about the dad. I don't at all. Otherwise, they wouldn't have had that scene where he's a jerk to him. But and anyway, they wouldn't have had I, the story I, that Miles also, Teller tells. Yeah, I also don't feel like the dad really learns much during the the thing because we never have a, a an equivalent scene to that dinner scene where the dad actually is publicly standing up for his kid. No. But yeah. Yeah, um, no, exactly. I don't, maybe I don't think I'm the dad used... does have a journey. I think I think I think the journey is very small. Mm. I think it's very yeah. small. And it's funny because this movie is so over the top sometimes that I was just like, this is insane. Especially the stuff where the rest of the orchestra just kind of goes along with it. Mm. It was yeah, really no, strange no one to me. stands up to him. No one Everyone's so scared of to be in there, but also, um, not just the rest of the orchestra, but the rest of the school. Like there must, it's a prestigious music school. There must be. He must have colleagues. He must have. Well, what there about must be that other first people. professor? Yeah, there must be other professors around. There must be someone. Must be the boss of the school. Like there must be a whole lot of other stuff going on in the background. And I know that some there are teachers that get away with things like this, but they usually get away with it in private. Yeah, well, they don't tend to get away with it in front of an entire orchestra full of people. Mm. Like at least one person in that orchestra is gonna not do it. Also, that that bit with the the um, three drummers rotating. Yeah, I was like, one of you is gonna have to say no at some point, right? But they never do when there's three of them. Yeah, I was like, really? Not one of you guys is gonna be like, yeah, I'm not doing this. This is torture. Well, I, that actually made a lot of sense to me. That sense of like competitiveness and drive to succeed. I thought that was really an interesting aspect of the movie because, um, I mean, Miles Teller is a total dick to Melissa Benoist about not having a vocation and all that kind of stuff. But that um, never give upingness of that perfectionism, that kind of real drive to succeed. That, that's why they're there. That's the this school attracts that type of people. It does, <laughs> but again, like nobody kind of goes. There's a line between that and they did that for three hours and those guys were dying yeah and they're like they're drummers as if a drummer's not gonna be like no f- this shit and i'm out of here right or, or at least somebody else in the, in the orchestra is gonna go this is not okay and, and he throws chairs at people mm-hmm. and i mean it's really really and violates and over the top humiliates a kid who's not even out of tune um because he wants to humiliate another kid who's out of tune like oh and also all the the um i mean you'd think he'd get fired based on the language he uses alone, which is in one scene sexist, homophobic, fatphobic mm. and uh, racist. Actually, this is something else I was wondering about. That orchestra is entirely male. 
and almost entirely black, like a lot of the other school. But the three drummers are all white kids. The main characters are both white guys. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so he's in his prestigious conservatorium, which you know lets women in. It, but everyone he has chosen, everyone he's talent spotted for that band is male. Yeah, but it doesn't feel like the movie's trying to make a point it's about not, that. It's not, but it sort of does it without – It. I don't think they realised they were making that point. No, that's what I mean. I think the movie's just sexist. Mm. Um, I do. I think the movie is a yeah. sexist movie. Like the, the thing that – he makes a comment about a girl in the class where he's like, oh, you're just in the yeah. front because you're and, cute, and but she's, she's the, the only, only girl in that woman class. we ever see like in the school, in the music school. The other band is all male and he – deliberately um, belittles the all-male band using the aforementioned homophobic sexist language, like he calls mm. them ladies and f***ets and all those kind of things. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, and then there's the the fat jokes with the with um, that poor that kid one that, guy he, that he wasn't even cry in front of everybody. Again, mm. I feel like you wouldn't have an entire room of people just sitting there taking that, and I feel like that because I've been in those situations Right, and I before. also feel like you wouldn't – like um, the, the lawsuit thing that finally happens – I feel like there wouldn't just be one person speaking out against him. Like the the, the student, yeah, they the, would the get dead more. family student, the dead student's family. But there would not just be like one student. There would probably be dozens and dozens of students willing. Yeah, to once they tried go to, on record. Yeah, I feel like once they tried to find people, they would have found people pretty mm. easily. Um, but that wouldn't have the same narrative tension, would it? No. No, the scene before that was the one that got me. The 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 crash scene. Oh yeah, where he walks in like he has the car. Oh which my I God. saw coming and I was like, okay, so yeah, now yeah, he's, no, he's going to wake have up in a hospital. Whiplash, yeah. So now he's going to yeah, wake yeah. up. No, he does not wake up in a hospital. He goes to the rehearsal, the concert, mm-hmm. and he's dripping blood from his head and his hands and nobody says anything. No, nobody's like, no, you can't go on stage. Nobody's like, nothing. Nobody says anything mm-hmm. and they just let him play. And then when he can't even hold the drumsticks – J.K. Simmons is like, you're now fired. And you're like, are you kidding me? Yeah. This is the dumbest thing. That, I mean, that, that for me actually broke like my, my suspension of disbelief and my incredulity, you know, like that, that broke the limit. Mm. I was just like, no, that's stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything up until that point, like that should be a breaking point for that character. I get yeah, that. And it should have been a better, a bigger, more obvious breaking point and given him a, a proper second half to that journey. And yeah. it, I don't think it did. Yeah, I, I just, yeah, I agree. I thought that was bizarre. Like, that was just so over the top and ridiculous mm. that I was like, no, this is not going to happen. This is stupid. No, there's Nobody's- no way he'd, like, he, he'd have to, he, he's, they're playing in a, you know, like a concert hall. So he's ha- going to have to run through backstage. So he must have run past at least half a dozen other people who would have seen him on the way in and been like, dude, dude, stop. We need to call an ambulance. And even if he made it to the stage, his bandmates must have seen that it he was. It felt like he was. They were not on stage at that point. Dripping blood, and yeah. I think they were in the rehearsal space, like their call time. But then they said he, you have to go it in was, at five. On stage at five thirty. And it was five thirty-two when he's running in, and I don't know. It's very strange. Yeah. Um, the way that's the whole thing is just nuts. But it didn't. Like, yeah, you'd think the audience would see him if it was on stage. The audience would see him and go, the oh, other oh, wait, right, drum- he knocked him off the stage as well. So yeah, the other it. drummers, like, it mm-hmm. just, yeah, it's silly. And and it all comes down to Fletcher, J.K. Simmons' character. They wanted to write this archetype of the um, genius who's allowed to be an asshole for too long because he's a genius. Mm. But it just sort of, it was almost too much. Like, you'd think someone that would have was, pulled was his head in. too much. Yeah, he'd have had his head pulled in far earlier than that. And even, like, asshole geniuses have 
breaking points. And you would think like seeing one of your kids get in, get themselves so worked up that they get into a car accident and try and play just having walked away from. <laughs> this is after one of his kids killed himself. Yeah. So I guess not. Yeah. Um, and then he lied about no, but, it to the rest of the kids. But the breaking yeah. point thing, uh, J.K. Simmons doesn't have, I mean, he just keeps going. He doesn't see that what he's doing is wrong at any point. Yeah, but no, even when no external force pulls him in. Right. Even when, like, uh, uh, when uh, um, when Miles Teller launched himself at him, started like hitting him and going, "I'm going to kill you," I was like, "I'm surprised nobody did this earlier." R- right? How is this the first child in, or the first student in, like, twenty years or whatever, who who's thrown themselves at you and started to beat you up? Yeah, there's. Uh, that's the thing is that people are different, mm. and and I don't know. This movie almost felt like it was like a movie of those torture experiments where they get people to like torture other people because of peer pressure or mm. that prison experiment or something. This movie almost felt like it was trying to make that kind of point. Like it was so extreme. Mm-hmm. And and they were like, oh, look, nobody in the orchestra is doing anything. There's no way nobody in the orchestra would do anything. It's just not there. I think there's some something in there. I guess they're trying to get across to the audience the kind of extreme competitivism and the extreme perfectionism of that high-level performing, like the high-level creative. Yeah, I get that. This was – so extreme that I couldn't believe it at all. Mm. It gets t- much too ex- extreme to b- be believable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With everybody just sitting there being quiet. Right. It's just too much. Mm-hmm. Especially a lot of the guys in that class would, um, and Miles Teller's at, with at, his attitude, would at some point break and just go, no, I'm not doing this. Mm. You know, like there's got to be a point at which a lot of them would go, yeah, this is, this is, I'm not going to do this yeah. anymore. And, if it's and not, yell back at him and all that. Right. Sort of and stuff. if it's not Miles Teller, Neiman, I mean, with his, you know, extreme competitiveness, extreme anxiety, extreme perfectionism, like abandonment issues that make him want to please authority figures and all that kind of stuff. If it's not him, yeah, why isn't it somebody else? Why hasn't it been someone else? And then it is him ultimately, which is crazy as well, because Mm. you're like, well, he's abusing all these other people. Right. And the student who killed himself was 34, which means that he'd probably been going through college 15 years ago. So Mm -hmm. he's been teaching there. At least 15 years, but he, not just that. He's been pulling this act for at least 15 years, which means he probably already had, you know, tenure and seniority and all this kind of stuff 15 years ago. I mean, some of the students could have probably sued him earlier just, like, for the language. They could have sued him. For language? No, for, for like, the homophobia and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They could have sued him. Mm. He could have been sued out of the school. He could have been, like, any of the other teachers could have seen him and fired him. Well, dis- yeah, or if not, like, sued, I mean, it's not like they're not going to hear chairs crashing against walls. Like at some point, there, there's there's got to be somebody else. Who gets yeah, he must have a this. boss, right? Like, and he can't I know be... this kind of stuff does happen, but in, in this kind of extreme nature, yeah, does it really happen like this? Because generally, abuse is is kind of like, like I said, it's behind closed doors, it's mm. private, it is not in front of an audience. You know what I mean? Mm. Like it that this kind of abuse, the emotional abuse and all that sort of stuff, it's not in front of twenty people. There's no like, and, yeah, and you, I mean, to, people see to a him point. doing it. I mean, there are definitely groups where um, strong leaders use selective um, humiliation to kind of keep the group in line. There's a difference between selective humiliation and throwing chairs at people and slapping them across the face repeatedly mm. in today's environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like that, it's just not going to fly. It, it seemed crazy to me. And that's, that's, I think, ultimately, because I had that breaking point in the movie. Where I was like, well, I can't believe this movie anymore. Mm. So it kind of strains your relationship with the characters as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. And then, you know, I think that, and the last bit was also kind of the way that, 
Oh, I loved the last scene. The big, long performance. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, that I loved that Quite scene. well done. Um, I am such a sucker for the big last performance every time. <laughs> every time. Or the big last game or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, if, if that doesn't get me, the movie is a total failure because <laughs> I, I will watch terrible movies and it gets to the last big game or the last big performance and I'm sitting there and I'm like, yay. Like, um, what do we see the, the Beyond the Lights yeah. where that song at the end was so bad that I was like, why is everybody really excited about this? Yeah. So, like, yeah. Yeah, I didn't. It didn't really get me. I mean, I, I got that bored. That song was really good. I got bored. I like I, it just lot. went on too long, and there was no dialogue. And I'm, you know, how I am when there's no sound, no talking. I mean, it was uh, musically it was quite amazing. Yes, and I liked the use of of music to tell the story. Yeah, um, I, I also liked the way that scene was shot. It was really good. Um, yeah, I liked the build in it, and he walks out and he comes back, and there's a bit where the sound drops out. I really liked the way that yeah. they used. I think. Actually, in general, the editing of this movie is terrific. Especially the sound editing, yeah. The sound editing, the score is really good. But, yeah, the, the editing of, in general, sound mm-hmm. editing and, mm-hmm. and visual editing, um, there's a couple of really nice shots in this movie, like uh, long pan-in tracking shots. Yeah, that- there, there's one after the, um, after the three drummers bit where he walks out into the street and he's kind of exhausted and there's, mm. the, there's this blue light just on his face. That's really yeah. well done. Yeah, there's lots of really nice shots in this that I thought were really cool. And they kind of uh, – I was noticing all the times when they were obscuring Miles Teller's face. Yeah. Like in that last bit to make it look really natural and they put like a symbol in front of his face and, and shot yeah. from wide shots to make it look natural so that yeah. you were um, not seeing his face. But yeah, mm. I thought that was quite seamless. It was good. It, it looked like um, Miles Teller was playing all the time. Oh, yeah. And there was it was good commitment to aesthetic actually just in that overall. I always compare all of them to Rush where it's just like, <laughs> like shots of Jeff of uh, – not Rush, Jeffrey Rush. Shine. Shine. Ugh. Shine, where it's just shots of Jeffrey Rush's face. Yeah. And then obviously somebody else's hands. Yeah. And like shine all the yeah. way through the movie is just that. So I kind of like to compare them to that sort of thing. Because mm. I think that was the first time I remember really noticing it and going, oh, God. Yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. Um, I no, I'm, I mean, just the the look of the whole thing, the, the muted lighting and the mm. muted color, and it all sort of feels like it, it's of a piece, even when mm-hmm. they go to places like the movie theater or – to a pizza restaurant or whatever, it all looks like it's it's all part of a piece, all the same kind of lighting and the same kind of colours and the same kind of aesthetic. Yeah. In fact, the only bit where it where it really lifts from that is when he's really manically trying to get to the – rent the car and get to the thing on time where mm. we've got a lot of natural sunlight and it, it gets a bit brighter there, but that's because we're building to that climax of the car yeah, crash. Yeah, the, the, the light is often just behind his head or something, so yeah. it's like – it's right in your eyes and it's mm. too much. And all the he's, he's clearly a night person because everything is kind of yeah. like. And there's like lots of blue and gold um, tinges to the filters on the lights and things like that. Yeah. No, I, I did. I think that um, I think it's a really well made movie. Yeah. I just didn't find the story that engaging. It didn't connect with anything in me. I yeah. am not ambitious or competitive. Oh, well, I get competitive, but I'm not ambitious. And yeah. I don't really like. I, I, if anybody talked to me like that, it'd be two seconds before I was in their face. You know, yeah. like I, I well, there's see, no way. I, I am anxious and competitive and ambitious, but I, I'm also like old enough to have a lot of that had been squashed out of me. When so, I was 19, if anybody had talked to me like that, it may have taken a day before I blew up at them. Yeah, I would have probably just put up with it and kept right. going. See, that's the thing um, is that that's what I can't. I just can't connect with them. Right. I'm like, I, so I got to be I somebody really else in the class him. like me, right? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know about in music school, but I, I really connected with when he's on his first date with Melissa Benoiston and he's like, 
so why did you go to whatever school she's at? And she's like, eh. and I was like, really? Do you not have any plans? Because I just can't understand the whole like people who don't know what they want to do or if they – I always feel like if you don't actually say – if you're saying that you don't know what you want to do really, you're just, you're just hiding it from yourself or hiding it from others. Yeah, that's not true. <laughs> like there's lots of people who don't know what they want to do when they're 18. Mm. There's heaps of people who don't know what they want to do yeah, when they're 18. I, I, yeah, I'm but sure I mean, there are. I, 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 it was, I, was, I just had like a kind of uncharitable thought about it at that point. But then as the movie wore on, I was like, I'm glad you don't know what you want to do. You're much more interesting. But, I mean, yeah, at the time I was like – yeah, when I was 19, I would have been like, you know, I had very just direct ideas about everything, what I was going to do and how I was going to do it. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just thought that as people with different life, how looks on life. Yeah. Um, probably wouldn't have worked out between them anyway because they did have very different outlooks yeah. on life, but also because he was a prick and she seemed like a nice girl. I know, right? I was like, apart from that bit at the beginning where he's like, "Do you want to go out with me?" and she's like, "Oh my god, get out of my face," which <laughs> yeah. I, which I don't yeah. like because it upholds that whole narrative that like women always say no. Yeah. Um. No. Kind of thing. I yeah. Didn't and like it's that not, very much. And there are times to mess with people, and that is not the time to mess with someone. No. Um, well, I thought that was kind of trying to establish her as a bit awkward like him. Yeah, yeah. And they definitely had those moments where they were both kind of a bit awkward. Um, but at this, and, and I think Melissa Benoist did a good job of trying to show that. But at the same time, um, that was not, I, th- that was definitely guy writing. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Was, no woman would have ever written that. No. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I feel like this was a very dude-centric movie, really. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it doesn't examine all of the things that are particularly dudish about it, like like J.K. Simmons' um, Fletcher's posturing and the the way he uh, the way he uses homophobia and um, sexism to you know in- encourage male bonding and male competitiveness and male exceptionalism and all that kind of stuff. The real toxic masculinity um, elements of competitive music, uh, you know, as compared to like competitive sports and other sort of areas where men will kind of uh, separate themselves out and bond and all that sort of stuff. Well, I feel like we should talk about his central thesis, which is his idea that he's like, I I want to bring out the best performance oh, in people yeah. and I want to make them the best performance they could be and that's why I torture them. Yeah, well, that's that. Spe- there's a speech at the end or towards the end where they meet up in the club. Um, where he's just casually performing. having drinks with the guy who tried to kill you. Yeah. Where they meet up and talk, and he does this speech, which um, he's like in the two worst languages, the words in the English language are "good job," and I, I got the sense that it was a real anti-millennial speech, you know, because how people always talk about how our generation growing up, every child got a prize, and nobody ever had to strive for anything. About- I think the movie is against his point of view. Yeah, on on, that, I'm not. So. No, no, the the speech, him, yeah. the character himself, not not the movie. Um, and and I thought that was kind of extremely interesting, looking at um that kind of character and, and the way they drawn him um but no, i don't think the movie the movie is like you know what actually doing a good job sometimes is okay it's yeah. okay to celebrate little things and it is not okay to torture someone in order to get the best out of them right and and also it it's not the torturing that like that i mean the movie doesn't come down on this and i, I was kind of disappointed because it doesn't work we all know it doesn't work um, the mm. psychology wise and, and everything to do with any kind of like investigations into it, everybody knows it doesn't work. No. But quite aside from that, if you kill the people that you're trying to get good performances out of, they're not going to be able yeah. to give you that performance. There's no point in killing the next Charlie Bird Parker. <laughs> right. Exactly. And that whole thing about Charlie Parker and, and 
like he died young anyway. You know, they they talk about these musicians that they look up to who had to deal with all this stuff when they were just starting out and look how great they turned out, but they were dead at 35. Like, really? And that's the thing. Is (laughs) Is that that what you want to look up to? If they had kept living, how many many more performances did we miss out on? Mm. Yeah, if they'd um, been – yeah, exactly. Well, if they'd been treated more gently, how then more gently – instead of, you know – turning to drugs and alcohol and, and all the other kind of coping strategies to deal with their trauma, how, you know, how, how much more life would they have had? Yeah. It is this, this tortured artist yeah. concept um, that, that people tout about and really love. I mean, th- there does seem to be a correlation there, but at the same time, like, mm. what could we maybe well, be missing out on if we don't yeah. encourage pe- people? Right, exactly. And we're, so some- we're missing out on all of this art and music and stuff that could be really great because these people did get discouraged yeah. and he goes charlie parker wouldn't get discouraged you're like yes he would it depends on his personality not mm. his perseverance right exactly um yeah no that that stuff is and um, there's so much interesting conversation you could have about that about like valuing that there is a lot of good art that comes out of bad experiences but like what more could people achieve if they actually had good experiences to go on, you know, <laughs> like I, it, it always, I mean, something I've actually been thinking about lately um, after Prince died, because he died so young and it made me think about him and Michael Jackson, who both died young in their fifties, both black men who came up, who were like geniuses when they were young, but like had all these other, um, other issues they had to face, particularly being black men, particularly being gender non-conforming black men and all that kind of stuff. And it's just something I've been thinking about lately about the whole tortured artist idea the the you know shine bright burn out and die young kind of stuff and it's just so sad and male-centric as well because women don't get to have well, have the same kind of oh yes <laughs> same yeah. kind of admiration for right. their, their similar behaviors yeah well this we is all with people like amy winehouse right exactly and um i that that also brings me back around to the um fletcher jk simmons's character um who you just almost never see women behave like that and if you do they are punished and pushed out and shunned much, much sooner. Mm. That uh, it's really only men who are allowed to be that kind of asshole genius, mm. um, who are rewarded for um, being dicks just because they're talented. Mm. Yeah, it, that is quite particularly gendered. And you see, um, Miles Teller start to, uh, sorry, Neiman, his character start to behave like that, but you can also see, see it a little bit in Miles Teller. You have the cheat sheet, right? That you have their names on, because I could not remember their names. No, I remembered their names. Okay, yeah. I don't remember them even calling them each yeah. other's names. I just well, he, couldn't. Yeah, they, they do. They didn't stick in my mind for some he, reason. Um, he always calls. They always call Miles Teller Neiman, like they because I know at school they call them by their last names. But when he meets, when he asks Melissa Benoist out, he um he says I'm Andrew. So okay, and then they then they talk about and um. And J.K. Simmons is Terence Fletcher, um, which is a boring sort of name, but yeah. That, I think that's it, that neither of them is a particularly memorable name and they don't say it often enough to me, for and, me to remember And they, they say Melissa Benoist's name, Nicole, often. They, they, you see that a few times, you see it on Actually, on I did remember phone. that one, but not the other two. Yeah. I only remember Nicole. Maybe it's because it was written down as well. I that's have a true. much better memory for names that I've read. Mm-hmm. And I didn't check the cast list or anything on this one. So yeah. um, that could it's, possibly yeah, this be my problem. This is not the cheat sheet. This is just my notes, which has things like, only men get away with this kind of behavior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I um, do. Yeah, think, I mean, I do wonder how much it, the appreciation of it is gendered. Although I, I know women who really liked it. I just, yeah. I was expecting more because a lot of people were really fond of it when it was up for the Oscars mm. and were like, "Oh, I think it's better than a lot of the other movies." And I was like, "I just don't think it's that good." Yeah, it's got like it's got a lot of good elements. I just don't think it it pulls together as a whole experience, as a whole story. 
I um, think Miles Teller and J.K. Simmons were really good in it. Miles Teller, mm. um, yes, this is the perfect role for him because it is like a kind of an asshole, but also you feel bad for him right. sometimes, it's, it's, and he does vulnerable and he does mm. angry and and you know he he he's very good at that. Mm. It's good for J.K. Simmons as well. This is his kind of role too, and um, Melissa Benoist is just charming and sweet enough to kind of um, hold her own. In yeah, the, in, it as well. in, in this very minor love yeah. interest role, yeah. Although I do like her scene with him where uh, it feels like that Facebook movie scene. Yes. Right? Yes, where, yes. Where she's he, she's like, them. it's just going to be because you're an asshole. It's not going to yeah. be because you're a nerd. Oh, yeah. And she was like, let me get this straight. And she reframes everything he said. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, yeah. She's like, oh, yeah, we should not be dating. <laughs> she walks <laughs> no. out on him. Yeah. And that was good, too. There was no, like, I was worried she was going to try and fight for it or whatever. I'm mm. like, it's not worth it, honey. You can do better. You're really lovely. Yeah. That's the point at which she sees that. Mm. She's like, yeah, you are not the kind of guy I want to be with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked that a lot. And she is. She's she's so cute and charming that, like, it just kind of, it's so easy to like her. Right. But also the very first shot where she that she's in when he's buying the movie ticket, I'm like, oh, that's the girl he's going to ask out. Yeah, well, I mean, she's we know who she is. No, but I didn't recognize uh. her because it was only a, it was a, a mid-shot. From the side. Oh, I didn't recognize. And she doesn't talk much. No, I I didn't recognize her until yeah, we got got up to the counter. But yeah, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, and I I was sort of I think I was talking I was you know writing about it a bit online, talking to other people and stuff, and and uh, Mm. so I I glanced at I didn't recognize Paul Reiser in his first scene either. Uh, But then I looked back the second scene. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. Um, But even then, I just saw him interacting with a girl. I was like, oh, that's the first girl he's interacted with. That's love interest. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting, actually, looking at this as like a college movie because it's technically like, you know, he's gone off to college and Melissa Benoist seems to be having a normal college experience. She doesn't really know what she wants to do. She's having fun. She's working a job. She's living in the city for the first time, coping with being away from her small town, all that kind of stuff. She's having like the standard college experience. I thought there was a weird line when she's like, oh, I'm homesick sometimes and he goes, I still go to the movies with my dad. And I'm like, is that not something people do? It, if yeah. you live in the same city with your parents, do you not sometimes go out to movies with them? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I is that really that unusual? I, yeah, I don't have the kind of family where I had that kind of relationship with my parents. But, yeah, I'm sure that happens. But, like, I'm, yeah. you know, I, yeah. yeah. You regularly see movies with your dad and stepmom. Yeah, and, and, and I with your mom with my mum all the time. And, I mean, yeah. but it just, like, if you are – it doesn't seem like he and his dad had a particularly strained relationship. No. They just had Although, some problems. It's very arty. They seem to be going to like old 1950s movies. Like there's a well, re- reference what, to like Rafifi and there's. But that's what Miles Teller likes because of the soundtracks for yeah, him. He yeah. doesn't watch the movie. He, He's into that. Yeah. 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 And it seems like that's something he and his dad have in common. Like dad likes old movies. He mm-hmm. likes the soundtracks to old movies. And there yeah. was this bit at the beginning of the movie where Miles Teller dumps out his. The food that he brought the in. The raisinets, yeah. And he puts them in the popcorn and he doesn't like the raisinets in the popcorn, no. but he just eats around them and his dad's like, that's weird. Yeah. I, I was like, because the dad doesn't seem to like them either. Like, does he get them because his dad likes them? And I, that's I their ritual? So. Yeah. So the dad, like, it's it's like how I get the popcorn and you get the Maltesers. Like, but no, we but don't put them together. <laughs> that's what I mean. Like, he, yeah. and then, and then Miles Teller says, oh, I don't eat the raisinets. He's like, why did you put them in there? Oh, I'll just eat around them. And he's like, you're, that's a weird thing to do that you would mm. come in and immediately do that but then not eat it. Yeah, strange. Like why didn't you just tell me that you didn't like it? No. That that was clearly what they were doing yeah, with yeah. that is that, that that sort of not like some, something that goes on for years and years and years and they never actually talk to one another about it. It's just yeah. a habit. Yeah. And it's a very kind of uh you know father and son thing and yeah. and the male relationships in this. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a setup for a lot of that stuff. Yeah. 
and the weird thing is also like she she's like talking about how she's homesick and she misses home and he's like I go to the movies with my dad like oh that sucks but you know my dad just lives up the road so I'm really lucky I get to go to the movies with him like yeah slightly insensitive too uh I don't I mean I think he was just trying to go like yes she says other people pretend they don't feel like that but I think they do is is actually the setup for that Mm. so I don't think he was like that was an invitation for him to respond. It right. wasn't him going, "Oh, but I feel like this yeah, in that yeah, situation." Okay. No. I don't. I don't think that's what they would actually. He okay, was actually yeah. doing. I think he was just going, "Yeah, I think people are just pretending." Clearly, we do all feel mm-hmm. something similar to that. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I think part of the problem again is like I don't tend to like movies where everybody is mean. Yeah. Um. And even even when the performances are really good, it it was hard for me. And I even when car- young. Ca- characters uh, behave badly I often will empathize with them because especially younger people right I'm like oh you poor thing you know this is happening you're still learning I I get it but they they kind of it felt like they were working against me a lot with Miles Teller's character like every time I felt like that they would do something and I'd be like guys come on Mm. I just felt bad for him do you do you really want to do this right now Mm -hmm. can you maybe hold off a bit before you make me hate him again yeah you know it's complexity and all that sort of stuff yeah in my notes about two-thirds of the way down Neiman you idiot So, yes, clearly I felt that way too. Like, yeah. you just get to like him. You just start to think, okay, I understand why he's like that. And you're like, oh, my God, you idiot. Yeah. Why have you done and that? And the kind of, you are responsible for your own behavior. I know yeah. that you're under a lot of pressure, but you're still responsible for your own yeah. behavior. You should not have been speeding. Yeah. yeah. And you're still responsible for your own behavior. Just because that's what is being role modeled in front of you, you're 18 or 19 years old. You should know better than to recognize this as, than not to recognize this as bad behavior. Right, and also, yeah, but the the speeding thing and stuff. Although, you know, they say men's brains aren't fully formed till they're twenty five. So. No, that's true. <laughs> I, I and oh, the the speeding sort of makes a little bit of sense. Like that, he's he's worked himself up to that level of panic and frenzy. There was, a, um, but I, he causes a car accident and then walks away from it. That's that's that, just, th- that to me was one of the big problems too. There's no real consequences consequence for causing to the car accident. accident. There's consequences to showing up bleeding and unable to play at the concert, there's no consequences to the car accident. He is 19 years old, renting a car. Most places won't rent you a car if you're 19. Um, he crashes the rental car. He causes, like, himself injury. He probably he causes damage to that guy's truck. He's Yeah, the like, other guy didn't seem injured, though. No, he didn't seem injured, but, like, but I've been no, As somebody who's been yeah, in car accidents, there's no way. I've been, in, I've been in, like, really minor car accidents, and they cause such... An upheaval to your life. Like mm-hmm. I've, I've had, you know, such a minor car accident that all it needed was a little bit of panel beating or whatever. But that causes such disruption to your life. You've got to get the other person's insurance information. Yeah, and then you've got to pay, pay your for it. it. Yeah. And like it's a huge amount of of stress and stuff. Like there's no way you can just walk away from that and then it's never brought back again. There's no consequences. There's no way Paul Reiser, who can be a little bit ineffectual, but is overall a good dad. There's yeah. no way he's not. There's not a lecture about insurance. There's not a big talk about well, I feel how like much money just, you've got to pay. And the problem with it is that I, we skipped a lot of that. Um, yeah, we did. But we skipped a lot of that after the car accident, and then something else happened. Like the car accident happened, and then and then the other he went bit. to the place. Um, and I was still caught up with the car accident. I'm like, you know, you've just left a truck driver there. There's going to be police called in the middle yes. of you. Somebody's and got to tow that. He left the car in the middle of the road. Yeah. Um, and just ran out. There's no, oh, and, yeah. and they'll, they'll clearly track it back to him. <laughs> right. Um, 
Yeah, and then it's suddenly a few months later and we don't see any consequences for any of that behavior and Other he's out of school. He was and, expelled, but but I didn't even know he was expelled. It, it do they ever say he There's was a letter. Expelled? He gets a letter and they zoom in really close. Your yeah. dismissal from Blar Academy. Oops. Yeah. I, I missed that. You need to sometimes you need to look at the screen as well. I look the at screen. the screen quite often. <laughs> Oh. I think I was just ranting about yeah, yeah, the yeah. fact that that had happened because that was such yeah. a fresh thing. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, was that roughly around the time he was like, watching that video of him as a kid too? Yep. I didn't like that bit. I thought that was dumb. He looked at that with the kind of fondness that you would look at like your kid or like as somebody you that himself, you loved. Yeah. yeah. It was it was very self. Uh, yeah, yeah, cuz most yeah, I I didn't even think of that. But when you look back on videos or oh, I don't have any video of myself, but photos of yourself as a kid, you sometimes especially being precocious or whatever, you look back and you're like, "Oh, I was such an idiot." Yeah, and he yeah. loves like himself as a kid. Yeah. It was it was just this kind of it was, it was a little bit creepy and a little bit like self-congratulatory, I think. Yeah. Um. And it wasn't. I think they were trying to make that a moment of him like and being this, sympathetic, yeah. and I didn't feel like that was a sympathetic I, moment. I felt like that was why a- I didn't feel like this character grew throughout the movie. Like, I mean, there is you know this, the resolution of a story, but I just don't feel like there's any real growth in him, and that's why I don't. That's think what I mean. I, it's I, an Oscar movie. I don't think the 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 journey that he goes on just isn't strong enough. There isn't no. enough growth. It doesn't. He doesn't learn enough along his journey. Well, no, I mean, I yeah, it it was not going to win an Oscar. I don't uh, the best picture Oscar. It got J.K. Simmons one, but yeah, yeah. Um, I this think was a very showy role. I'm not entirely yeah. surprised. And J.K. Simmons is a great actor, and but I've a, seen him be better than right, he was. But this. I think this was J.K. Simmons's body of work Oscar. I guess people seem to genuinely love this movie. Like yeah, people, yeah. So uh, it's just something that I yeah. Didn't but get I mean, much. like a lot of stuff J.K. Simmons does though is a lot more commercial. And this is very arty and, you know, this would have been, this is a good sort of Oscar. I think also movie. I see J.K. Simmons, I always think he's nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like when he's playing jerks, I'm like, J.K. Simmons must be nice. Right. I always think he's nice too, even That's though he, yeah, he always plays jerks. That's not true. He was very nice in Juno. Oh, yes. Yes, he was. <laughs> it's just, you know, he's not nice as J. Jonah Jameson or yeah. in this. Um, Again, all much more sort of commercial stuff. You I know, think. he sings. He's a good singer. I believe I've heard that. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought that was fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, he he was really good, and they were both really, and they worked really well together. Like they just mm. kind of they'd be in a scene together. You didn't see anybody else in that scene. They no. just sucked up all of the charisma and yeah. all well, of the. Miles Teller is fantastic. Like, and as you mentioned, it's a really good role for him because he does seem like he's kind of a little arrogant shit. But then he also seems, seems like someone like is. Yeah. So, yeah, but he seems like he's an arrogant little shit. But also, you kind of root for him. Yeah, and that's this is exactly what this character is. Yeah, he is best in those roles, like in the uh, Divergent like he, yeah, series. Exactly. And, but I mean, but he really just does have that kind of X factor about which him. Which is why he was actually really good casting as Reed Richards. Yes, yes, he was. I I still think the Fantastic Four problem was not the casting. No, they I think were for they, the most part they were like, really well cast. No, those four actors are all really good actors. Yeah. Um, and the, but that's the thing about Miles Teller is that he does have that kind of X factor, that sort of um, yeah, he does. He's very he's very talented, charisma and talent, and that sort of sucking the oxygen out of a roomness. Yeah. Okay, so do we want to yeah, give we should... this movie a rating? Ooh, yeah. Um, I'm inclined to say three stars because there is a lot to enjoy about it. I was going to give it three and a half stars because yeah. there was a lot to enjoy about it. I just, I think if you personally connect with it, it's a better movie. Yes. I think that's the thing is that it just didn't do it for me. But I think a lot of people, if you, if, I, I feel like if you, if you connect with the journey in this, it's going to be a lot, or the, the characters and, and the feeling of, being like that, it's mm. going to be a lot better, a much better movie for you if you've had 
you know, a bad mentor or whatever. Yeah, or, or you've you've been so desperate to get into some kind of creative field that you've put up with all kinds of crap and, and other people around you have as well because everyone's so desperate to get into that field. Yeah, I, I think there were some good things about it. Yeah, okay, cool. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to read our show notes or find the old episodes, uh, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's review of Whiplash or any of the other movies that we watch or she watches, uh, find them on her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. And if you want to find us on social media, we're on Tumblr, tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com, Twitter at screen underscore queens, and Facebook, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.